What your bank doesn't tell you. A podcast by you mushroom. Hello everybody and welcome back to our podcast What Your Bank Doesn't Tell You. Today again we have a very exciting topic and we are speaking about the US dollar, kind of the king of the currencies, how this king is losing power. And Yeah, I think in order to understand why the king is losing power, we need to go back a couple of years and understand how actually the king got into power many years ago. That's very nicely said, Tonya, and I'm happy to pick up on that. Um, you know, a long time ago, um, end of the 19th century, actually the American banking system was quite, uh, at the beginning of its development, it was very... Um, la it was lagging actually compared to the European banking system and um, Mr. Warburg, who was one of the major, how shall we say, shapers of the FED and uh, thanks to his initiative, the FED was, among others, the FED was founded, was actually shocked when he arrived at the beginning of the 20th century. And he comes from this very famous Warburg dynasty from Hamburg. And um, having said that, just as a little snapshot, um, Back then, actually, um, the gold standard was just being um, accepted and uh, declared as the standard, the gold standard coverage by the English Central Bank. And we arrived the year 1873. And piece by piece, most of the leading economists back then actually accepted to, be, to have their currencies bound to the so-called gold standard and to have their currencies backed by a certain amount of gold. So this is status quo, beginning of the 20th century. Well, extremely interesting how far back actually the roots of our current monetary system goes. But then again, I believe the entire situation got steam after the Second World War, when it was kind of obvious that a new order is required to, to build up a new economic system. And in this sense, there were plenty of discussions and maybe you have heard of, of Keynes, a very famous economist. And he was basically one of the, of the leaders also representing the UK, Europe in these discussions. And to him, it was kind of natural that there, there is a reserve currency required, but he rather envisioned a reserve currency as a neutral currency, so a currency ruled by... Uh, most likely the, the, the monetary fund, the International Monetary Fund, and not by one specific country. And he also envisioned a, a mechanism or a system where not just the, the creditors are in power of the rules, but also the debtors. Because in the end, there always needs to be a balance between people who give money and people who take money. But As we know, everything ended up slightly differently. It did. And apparently the biggest problem was that, speaking of gold, by the way, the country is very easy already during the First World War and not to mention the Second World War actually started um, abandoning the backing to gold. 
obviously in times of what we call necessities or emergencies or um, in order to boost growth or um, obviously to finance war. So every time there was a major event or there was something going wrong with the economy, it was a very cheap excuse or maybe not that cheap, but it looks like post factum. It's always easier to comment uh, when something has already happened. So they would find an excuse to actually drop and abandon this disciplining rule to be backed to gold because if I, in essence what it does it if you if you have a if you're issuing a currency as a central bank and by then all the central uh, the central banks were the ones who were actually in charge of the amount of money which was in the economy it wasn't like that before the new economy period but we're speaking about the 20th century so whenever you're actually in a situation to issue currency if you have something which you're referring to, as in the case of gold, it's actually establishing a rule. It means that there is a rule established which disciplines the people who are in charge of the money amount, how much they can issue. And if they don't follow certain rules, if they kind of abuse this opportunity to create money in order to facilitate maybe um, um, excessive growth or in order maybe to pursue some kind of a colonist policy, etc., etc., then obviously the punishment would be, among others, inflation. And it's interesting to see once the Second World was over and once even the U.S. in 1933 abandoned the gold standard, they easily actually at a point of time, back then in 1933, they came to a point where they would actually even prohibit the ownership of gold on a private basis. To that extreme, it went actually. So after figuring out that gold, that the the old system prior to the end of the Second World War was not functioning really, the question was, how can we find a system which would create stability world, worldwide? But now you can even argue if you as a country, if you abandon the, the gold standard, it's your kind of your own problem because then your currency is getting less stable and maybe you are getting more inflation, as Luba mentioned before. But in the end, it's the problem of your own country, of your own economy. But now the situation after the Second World War is slightly different because then... Um, as mentioned before, a new standard was required, a kind of a reserve currency was demanded by the world. But then it wasn't implemented as a neutral currency as proposed by Keynes or some economists back then. But rather the US was the most powerful country and kind of the, the winning party after the Second World War. And they managed to, to establish the US dollar as a reserve currency. And suddenly the situation was completely different because as a global reserve currency, not just the US was depending on this US dollar, but also the rest of the world. And I believe this was a real game changer in the way how currencies used to work. And and the reserve currency was actually bound again then to the US dollar in order to make sure that this reserve currency can actually be exchanged by the various countries using this, this reserve currency and exchange it into, into, into gold at some point. But as we know, it came differently again. Ah, yeah. <laughs> we all have heard, or probably most of us have heard of this so-called Bretton Woods uh, agreement, which was signed in July, I believe, 1944 by the 44 winning countries or basically by the 44 um, major economic countries back then, uh, which was actually the birth of the dollar as a world currency. And I don't think that people were aware back then those 
governors of central banks and uh, political figures who were signing this agreement, I don't think they were aware of actually what they have created. Or maybe they were aware, but they couldn't really change it because the US was just the winning party in this situation and, and kind of the biggest economy and just implying the rules onto everybody. But it's, it's a guess. It is, yes, and it's interesting that 44 countries actually agreed, or 43 countries in that case agreed on that. And what is interesting with the Bretton Woods was it was established actually that the dollar would be the reference currency. There was also uh, an established price, uh, and it would be backed by gold, and there was also an established uh, price for an ounce of gold, which was $35 per ounce. We'll see in course of the history that that price was not sustainable, and uh, the London... Um, uh, gold market was actually having a very hard time at a point of, in the 50s and the 60s to really hardcore sustain this um, threshold price. And what was also very interesting was that um, in order to facilitate um, the execution of what was actually agreed and to also facilitate the monitoring of the points agreed in uh, Bretton Woods, there was the International um, Monetary Fund, which was... Um, back then found it at the same time. Yeah, and then as you mentioned, it became more and more difficult to actually keep this pre-agreed price of gold versus US dollar because in the 70s we have seen an increased inflation and maybe before the inflation was actually arising, there was also the the discussion around the reserve currency, because if you if you create a reserve currency, in this case the US dollar, then you need to make sure that there is enough of this currency distributed to the world, because everybody is using your currency, the US dollar, as the reserve currency. But the more currency you bring into circulation, the more you have to create this currency, and the more instable this currency might become. And this dilemma is also called the Triffin Dilemma, which was kind of researched by the by the economist Triffin. And, and at some point, we really got into this dilemma because there were the big inflation, there was more and more US dollar issued because of the inflation, even more dollar had, had to be issued. And then at some point, it was not possible anymore to, to really get that much gold. And suddenly at the beginning of the 70s, the, the US, they decided to abandon this, this, this kind of linkage to, to the to the gold again, and basically giving up Bretton Woods. Exactly, and even before that, the problem was not only inflation. Inflation is what you mentioned is a very very big problem back then, and we know inflation of the 70s thanks to the oil prices. But another problem was the fact that uh, basically every country was supposed to hold certain amount of dollars. Uh, as reserves, and those dollars were actually supposed to be backed, obviously, by gold. Um, and the way you would actually accumulate dollars would by creating a higher and a higher, um, obviously, uh, trade um, deficit on one side in the case of the U.S. or trade abundance, so how surplus on the other side, as it was the case in Germany. And this has to be paid by dollars. So they would indeed, in order to sustain this uh what shall we call a disequilibrium, the U.S. had to really um, issue more and more dollars. And the interesting thing is that, that the, actually France at a point of time in the late 60s requested um, the dollar amount, uh, the equivalent in gold of the dollar amount they were holding, the central bank, the French uh, National Bank was holding on their, on its uh, balance sheet. And it turned out that it, they, the U.S. cannot deliver it. It was only less than half uh than 50% actually available. And that triggered quite a political crisis, which was um, 
literally almost causing a war, but they managed somehow to twist it and to prevent that. So yeah, as you mentioned, in 1971, Nixon was forced to declare the end of the backing of the dollar to the gold. And uh, since then we have, um, in Germany, we call it Freifahrt. So we basically <laughs> have absolute free passage to uh, unprecedented growth of uh, the dollar reserves worldwide. It was actually also the the birth of the of the fiat currency how we how we understand currencies these days that the currencies they are not backed by gold anymore and basically you just have free trade and if if your currency is considered to be stable then the price will increase and otherwise decrease but to me the really interesting part is even though the US abundant Bretton Woods because of the French then <laughs> they still remain in a position or in a very powerful position and kind of the US dollar actually survived even after Bretton Woods as a reserve currency. And there was also, I mean, of course, there was a the very strong situation of the US economy still in these years in comparison to the other economies. But there was also this very uh, clever uh, step by, by Kissinger, the, 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 the Treasury Secretary of the, of the US, making or finding a deal with the with the Arabic exporting oil companies or countries to actually use the US dollar as the trade currency for oil. And this further established the strength or the importance of the US dollar as a reserve currency, even after Bretton Woods. Yes, and the oil market is one of the biggest markets worldwide uh, ever since. Uh, the other problem was that basically even prior to uh, it, uh, well, in the 70s, even prior to giving up on the gold backing, um, actually 80% of the trade, uh, uh, of the world trade, was done in dollar. So it was already kind of a very strong habit established among the countries which were um, exchanging goods and services among themselves, and those were the 44 leading countries. And once you've established a currency as a world standard, it's very, very difficult to move away from it, and the euro actually had such an attempt but unfortunately, so far, it hasn't managed to establish and to, to change it. Among others, as you mentioned, because some of the major commodity markets, for example, such as oil, gold, and some few others, precious and industrial metals actually are um, done in, in dollar. So we have the resource markets in dollar, and um, we also have the world trade services and goods in dollars. Again, 80% of the world trade is done in dollars. And it's very easy for the U.S. to actually keep this hegemony, which mm. they're currently mm. having. Yes. You might wonder why we are talking so much about history in this respect. But to us, it's really important to explain the, the long development or the long history of establishing the U.S. dollar as one of the most important currencies, if not the most important one, and how established the U.S. dollar as kind of a global currency is these days. And also, given this situation, it is actually quite astonishing and also rule-changing when we read headlines in, in various newspapers that, for example, China and Russia, that they are agreeing to trade in, in local currency and not in US dollar anymore. We also read headlines about Saudi Arabia that they don't intend to trade oil in US dollar anymore, but they are opening the, the range of currencies. So these are really big steps, even though it might be kind of obvious when you read these headlines, yeah, why not? But the impact on the global economy is actually very big. 
Indeed, it is a very big impact and we are very much looking forward to see what's going to happen. And it's actually, it's a welcome change to consider alternatives. Why is that? Because look what happened since the Bretton Woods system actually came to, to an end. So since the beginning of the 70s, the amount of dollars in the world economy has increased by more than five times, even in the meantime, six times. I've, the statistics go back to some few years ago and... Um, this says a lot. It says a lot about the global inflation, the global indebtedness, which is created. And indebtedness, indebtedness by itself is a topic we would cover in a separate podcast because it's a very important topic by itself. You might also wonder what the impact is on the US if they are losing kind of uh, the privilege of, of the US dollar as a global reserve currency. And this is not to underestimate, because if you are ruling the reserve currency or the kind of the global currency, then you are actually in charge of all the rules in respect to this currency. So you can define, I mean, first of all, you create that currency, so you can create directly the global reserve currency, which is a big advantage on a standalone basis already. But then given everybody is using the US dollar, you are making the rules how US dollar can be used. You, you, you decide on sanctions, you decide on, on what's right and what's wrong. And this is not to underestimate. And given these politics around the currency might also be a bit exaggerated over the past month, this also motivated various countries to actually search for an alternative to the US dollar in order to do trade. Mm -hmm. It's true. And actually, it's pretty much as if if you if I come and say this is now now my currency is going to be the world currency it's as if I'm sitting on a, you know, on a chair and I can print as much money as I want to. And that would be basically upon my saying what's happening uh, with the um, with the global economy. And yes, it's a position which is dictating basically the rules of uh, trade and the rules of exchange worldwide. So no wonder the world is looking for alternatives. And we are curious to see whether there would be some and if uh, China and Russia would succeed, if Saudi Arabia would find a solutions. There were a lot of speculations on, and documentaries, which most of them weren't published, um, particularly in the broad press, that apparently also there were attempts to transfer the oil market and denominate it in euro already in the early 2000s. And then the sequence apparently were a lot of wars in the Middle East based on that. So um, it's also very political topic and it's also a very highly sensitive topic for which potentially also um, addresses the world peace. But I would say we are living in very exciting times and we can be extremely curious what's going to happen in the coming months or even years um, in respect to dollar and in this respect we also have actually two recommendations for, for you. So there is one, one book, it's called The Currency of Politics. It's published or written by Stefan Eich, a very young economist, which we can recommend. And then I think we have another one, no? The one is in German, but for those who read German, it's a beautiful book. It's called The Snakes, the Geld, and it's written by Christoph Flugger. And we warmly recommend if you want to have a deep dive and understand how money is created, what's the history of it and what's the current status quo. It's actually a beautiful overview. Yeah, I think this is it. If you have any questions, please write us at hello at youmushroom.com. We can also tease our educational program, what we are starting in May. There we also talk about history of money and, and we explain in more detail 
how actually the various currencies and the political and financial system is working. That's it then on our side. Thank you very much for your attention and we are really looking forward to talk to you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Money! What your bank doesn't tell you. A podcast by You Mushroom.